0: Women are the fastest growing demographic in the world of hunting and fishing. Generally speaking, they offer a fresh perspective on our place as hunters on this planet that God gifted us with and through their increased participation in the sport, have rightfully earned a place of respect amongst all hunters. This is why I wanted to have Amy Hall on today's episode of the Rise Healy podcast. I first met Amy through the digital campfire hosted by Colin Cottrell and have since met on a nearly weekly basis. Amy's story went viral just last season as she quickly became the topic of conversation on a global level when she photographed an albino deer in her home woods in Tennessee. Since then, she has used this experience as an opportunity to advocate on behalf of women in the hunting industry, and she has used it as a means for creating conversations around what hunting means to her. Thank you guys for joining me today for another episode of the Rice Kill Elite Podcast. My name is Tyler Pruitt. I'm very excited w- with today's episode and the great conversation that I had with Amy and being able to share that with you guys. Thank you guys so much for returning for another episode. This is episode 15 now, so we've, we've been at this for, for a little bit of time, and I I can't thank you guys enough for your continued support throughout this whole process. Now, I wanted to take some time before we get into today's episode with Amy and invite you to check out our website. So if you go to rkeaffield.com. You can find all of our merchandise there. So we have some hats, we have some shirts, we have all kinds of cool items that I think you guys are really gonna gonna like. And we also have links to this podcast. So if you're wanting to share the podcast with a friend, you wanting to share it with a with a family member, if you're wanting to save it for another listen later on down the road, then you can do that at rkeofield.com And it's, it's just it's a website that's really all inclusive for the brand of rkeofield Field. So. Be sure to check that out. And again, that's RKE, so that's Rice Kill Eat, RKEAfield.com. Now, I also wanted to invite you to check us out on our social media platform. So, if you go to Instagram, you can find us at, at rke RKEAfield. So that's at RKEAfield. So again, RKE as in Rice Kill Eat, Afield. So RKEAfield, and then and then on Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com/slash RKEAfield. So be sure to go on there, give us a like, give us a follow, that way you don't miss out on any of our weekly episodes of the Rise Kill Podcast, you don't miss out on any sales that we may have on merchandise, and it just keeps you updated for anything that's going on in the future of RKEA Field and Rise Kill Podcast. One last thing before we get into today's episode, if you haven't been able to check out the Digital Campfire yet, go ahead and do that. You can find out more information at jointhecampfire.com. You can request more information there. You put your email in and, the call, and Colin will send you some more information. And it really is a all-inclusive community of hunters from all across the country. That's actually how Amy and I, we first connected was through the Digital Campfire. And there's so many other people that from all over the place that really offer some great conversations, really offer some great tips, some advice, all that kind of thing. And if you are wanting to join the Digital Campfire, you can use promo code RKE use promo code RKE and that'll help out this podcast. So thank you guys so much. And one thing I almost forgot to mention is that as part of your membership to the Digital Campfire, you will be automatically entered into some pretty awesome giveaways that Colin is putting together. So he has some giveaways where he's given away hunts he's given away bows he's given away all kinds of merchandise all kinds of products from different people in the hunting industry I mean there's, there's the the list just goes on and on it really is it a great opportunity for any hunter of any skill level to get into a community where they can be involved with people who are interested in the same things that they're in, interested in and of course that's going to be hunting and, and getting out and appreciating the outdoors so go ahead and request some more information at Join the campfirecom for the digital campfire. And if you do decide to pull the trigger, go ahead and use promo code RKE. And that, again, that's going to help out this podcast. So, so again, thank you guys so much for listening today. And I, I really do appreciate it. And I think you guys are going to enjoy my conversation with Amy. We get into all things from a woman's perspective as somebody who is deeply involved in the hunting community. So I think you guys are going to enjoy a fresh perspective on, on hunting. So sit back and enjoy today's episode of the Rise Kill Eat Podcast. I'm glad you were able to take some time and talk with me today. Sure. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for the opportunity to be able to talk with you.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh we first came into contact through the digital campfire that Colin is yes. hosting and that's that's been a pretty cool experience um that was something that uh after talking with colin that i wanted to make sure that i got involved in and uh i had him on i, th- I believe it was episode 10 is when i had him and uh we had a really cool conversation all, about all the things he's doing with this podcast and uh, that was right about the time that his uh digital campfire was taken off mm-hmm. so um i jumped in there and ever since then it's been a really cool experience meeting people like you and you know people from all across the country, you talk talking guys in California, um, obviously Tennessee, uh, mm-hmm. Kentucky, Texas. I mean, there's people from all over the place. And, uh, even Alan, he's up in Chicago. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, how all over the place we are, but we meet this once a week and be able to have those, those relationships. It's really neat to be able to, you know, have that, have that kind of sense of community with people from all over the nation.
1: I, I've really enjoyed it. I, um, when I got Erica to join in, I was like, hey, you need to come join me <laughs> because right now I'm the only girl and it's okay and it's been great and all the guys are very respectful and everything like that, but we need some women in there because we do add, I think, a little bit of an extra in there, but I, I have learned so much from you guys in there too, just listening. So it's been, I've really enjoyed it. I keep talking to people about it.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's good because, I mean, I, I've been trying to share it as much as I can just in this little platform that I have. And it's just because of that awesome sense of community that it has. And you guys, you and Erica being the only two females in there as of right now, you guys, uh, you guys kind of offer a little bit of a, of a balance. And that's really a big part of the reason why I wanted to have you on uh, the Rise League podcast today is just because I wanted to kind of get your, your perspective as a female and yeah. as a hunter, as somebody who hunts and somebody who gets out and, you know, is very knowledgeable and very interested in, in learning more about hunting, just like all of us are. I yeah. wanted to kind of gain your, your perspective on that.
1: Mm-hmm. And I want to star, I want I want to point that out as a new hunter. <laughs> I'm still learning and we all are still learning, but it's, I still feel like I have more questions than answers at this point in time.
0: Absolutely. The whole idea of, you know, being a student, I feel like that's something that, at least I, per, me personally, I hope I never lose that idea of wanting to be a student. Like I always want to be, in, in, not just necessarily in hunting, just in life in general, like being a student of my wife being a student in marriage, being a student of my kids, being a student in, you know, my profession, I'm, I'm a, I'm a teacher full-time right now. So, Mm -hmm. uh, of course I always have to, you know, learn new things with that. But then of course, being a hunter as well, the whole idea of being, being a student is something that, uh, really resonates with me. I think it's important for us as hunters to, to keep learning.
1: Yeah. 100%. Things are always changing. Things are always, somebody else is always doing something different that could be, that could work out really great for us. So it, it's always, I always have my ears on. I, that's all what I tell my kids. Always have your ears on. Always listen before you speak. Like Just make sure you're hearing people and listening because you might miss something and I don't want to miss anything.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You, there's always, there's always something to be learning. It could be something like you could see somebody do something that fails <laughs> and you can learn that way. It's like, exactly. I don't want to do that because, you know, it didn't <laughs> work out for them. So it's probably not going to work out for me. So
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: There's always ways that we can, we can learn from each other. And that's something that the, the digital campfire has, we've all been very honest we've all been very open with each other about, you know, things that have worked for us in yeah. the woods and things that haven't worked in the woods yeah it's it's been a pretty pretty cool experience so I'm, I'm glad we we're able to get connected there I'm glad to have you on today and I appreciate you taking a little bit of time on your Thursday evening to to talk with me a little bit
1: of course I'm I'm happy to do it
0: so you just got back from the World Deer Expo and that, that's in Alabama right
1: Yes, it's in Birmingham I think this year was the 36th annual World Deer Expo um and yeah, we just got back from that. It was a I'd never been. Um, I had heard about it, and so I I really wanted to go and try it out. Go see. Honestly, my main objective was to kind of rub elbows with people and and see people that I'd been talking to online, but also honestly to go and try on some camo and see if it fit. <laughs> And I was a little bummed that they didn't have any female, like true, honest to goodness hunting female camouflage for me to try on. It was a little bit of a bummer. Really? Yeah. I when we went to the um oh to the turkey uh thing that we have here in Nashville. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: NWTF convention.
1: Yes, we went to that, and honest, I mean, it was everywhere women's camo was everywhere. And, um, I didn't at that time have the time to try stuff on and all of that. You better believe this next year I will, but I was thinking that it was going to be kind of similar. And honestly, the people that were there, the vendors that were there at the World Deer Expo, they were great. There were some really great vendors there. Um, I met a couple people there that were awesome. But there were a lot of vendors there that really didn't have anything to do with hunting. You had jewelry people, and there were people doing nails, um, the gutter people. Like, it, it's, it's kind of, it just seemed more like they, I felt like they could have honed in on who they allowed in. And right. Almost like a fair
0: it. kind of thing rather than a... Like a yes. hunting convention type deal. yeah Yeah.
1: Now, there were tons of hunting stuff right. there. Um, and Chevy and like all these and farm equipment and things like that, which was great. But um, you kind of had to sift through some of the areas. But it was nice to meet people. I met a couple that's actually from here in Tennessee. And we got to have dinner and hang out. I met Bianca um, of her humble hunt and got oh, to yeah. hang out for just a little bit. And... Hannah, she's from Alabama. She's a, um, she's a noodler, a catfish noodler. I got to hang out with her for a little bit. And so it was, it was good to say, Hey, it was good to, to kind of just be in the middle of it. My kids loved it. They had a lot of things for kids there too. So all in all, it was a great experience. I'd go back. I just wish that they would tweak a couple things um, and add a few things to make it a little better.
0: Right, and that's in Birmingham, you said?
1: Yep. What kind of
0: vendors, like hunting-specific vendors, did they have?
1: Oh, let's see. Oh, my goodness. They had, oh, all the scope people, all the glass. I mean, everywhere you turned, there was – I'm trying to think of all of the people specifically. I showed you guys last night on the digital campfire um, the harness, the safety harness that I got for my kids, and that was – a great company from Hunter Safety System.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they put together a lot of really nice harnesses. They and they're do. usually pretty affordable too.
1: Yes, man. Um, they had that harness. I think it was fifty dollars, and then they had three of the lifelines in a package together for eighty. So it was a really. They were great. They were great to work with. I. Who else was there that I talked to there's some camo people there. I should have made a huge list of this. Man, I'm trying to think. Broadside camo was there, and they were great. They have a new um reversible lightweight, kind of for he- the hotter temperatures, but it's reversible. So it's you've got kind of the green colors on one side, and then once it turns a little more fall, you've got some um more warmer browns and oranges. And that was a neat.
0: That's pretty neat. I really like
1: them. Those were there were some good guys right there. Um, so it kind
0: of covers the early bow season, and then it into, does. once the once the once the leaves start to fall down, kind of switch it over. That's pretty neat. It
1: um, my buddy's from West Tennessee. Um, I know that he bought a whole top and bottom, and it has gloves and everything with it. And he said it's really hard to find sometimes like the hardwoods and the pines and the trees that we've got here, it's hard to match it. And they seem to be pretty versatile. So that was nice. And they were just, they were just honestly really great guys. I liked hanging out with them a lot.
0: But overall, the whole experience was, it was a really neat experience for you and being able to, you know, network and be able to connect with a lot of different people is, and those kind of events can, can definitely be, be just as good for that and as they can be, you know, looking for, for
1: products? 100%. I mean, they had all the plot people out there. They had all the scent people out there. They had, I mean, it was just, they, they really did have some good vendors. They had um, a couple of marksmen. There was a marksmanship group out there that in Alabama that that's their specialty. They get people out and help them out. And they had a booth set up to where you could shoot a BB gun into this area and win prizes and I didn't win, but my son won.
0: <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> um,
1: so it was. I think that they did a good job of entertaining, making it entertaining enough that you could take your family in, and people weren't gonna like the kids weren't gonna lose interest.
0: Right? Yeah, that's that's a big thing, especially when it comes to like those hunting conventions. Because I know, like my kids, which my kids are, I'm sure, are a lot younger than yours. My my son, he's five, and my little girl, she's three. So if you are not keeping their attention a hundred percent of the time, (laughs) it's bad news. (laughs) They're getting into something. Something bad is going to happen soon. Even here at home. I mean, I feel like it's worse at home, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. Um, But no, I think between all the puppies that were there, oh, they had the cutest hunting dogs. Oh
0: yeah. Labs and and pointers and that kind of thing.
1: Yes. And, and so in between all of them, it was, it was a good time. It was a really good time. I just wish that they had, had more 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 women focused right. apparel, I guess. There's
0: a a company called Treason. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. I, th- I think they're actually yeah. they're local here in Kentucky, I believe. I don't know. I, m- I may be wrong on that. I'll have to go back and check that. But uh yeah, Treason, they have a line called Vixen, which mm-hmm. is, you know, female uh female oriented yeah. it's, fo- it's focused towards towards female, but I think it has a lot of like purple tints to it. I don't know if that's just part of their, their line that they prefer to do, but I'm not sure why they wanted to include purple in there, but they, they did. And then uh, of course, uh, Sitka, they have a women's line. If you're willing to write a hefty check, then, then Sitka is a, a, is a good way to go. I I wear kind of a combination of Sitka and like Cryptek, depending on, you know, what I'm hunting and the the temperature and that, that kind of thing. Once the temperature starts to get real cold, that's when I'll break out the Sitka stuff just because it, it, provide some good base layers and it, yeah. uh, it's worked the best out of everything I've tried as far as keeping me warm whenever, whenever it's cold out.
1: Yeah. Right now I'm wearing a, uh, youth, large, um, bibs and coat. There we go. <laughs> from, I think my husband ordered, ordered it offline thinking it was adult and got it and went, um, Amy, <laughs> does this fit you? <laughs> um, and it did. So that's what I've been, that's what I've been pulling for a little bit. Um, but I don't feel like it's as insulated as adult camo.
0: Okay. That's for interesting. For colder weather.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just built differently for kids. It, they don't expect kids to be out there for hours and hours must and be hours yeah. and hours. So it's, it is what it is. It works. It gets me out there in the woods.
0: There we go. That's right. Anything that's going to get you out into the woods is, is going to work
1: exactly even yeah. with
0: deer I'm, I'm kind of a big fan that uh camo isn't all all that important it's not a I guess in my sense in, what, I'm guessing, what I'm trying to say is that it's not a number one priority like it would be for like turkeys or something as long as you have like kind yeah. of natural toned colors you can usually get by with with a little bit of uh not so camoed apparel yep but yeah so uh so how did you get into hunting? Who was, who first introduced you? When did you get into it?
1: Um, okay. So it was just a couple of years ago. This will be my fourth season in the woods. Um, my husband, he grew up with it. His grandfather took him hunting. I think he was 12 when he got his first buck and, um, and his rifle hunting and, and he kind of grew up with it. He hunted a little bit here and there as we were married. This will be our 16th wedding anniversary and so if I add it all back up he had been hunting for 11 years before I kind of started thinking okay I I want to do what he's doing not just because it's I really think that it would be beneficial for both of us to be able to do this but because he was getting to leave the house while I was watching the kids
0: yes (laughs) Um, right
1: and a little peace and quiet with nobody needing me with nobody um, I mean, it goes for work too. It's without, I just, it would have, it would be really nice to get out in the woods by myself for a little bit. If I get to shoot something and bring it home, yay! <laughs> but the quiet, the peace and quiet and being out in nature um, was very um, appealing to me. So I said, what do I need to do? And he gave me the list of what I needed to do and I knocked it out in about a month and I was ready that fall to get up in a tree. So he really was, I guess, the inspiration. My my brothers have hunted. They're quite a bit younger than me, but I know that both of my dads weren't really into it growing up. And so it never really was, there wasn't really an opportunity when I was growing up for that to happen. So my husband really was the one that, that showed me how to get into all of it. Now he then He did a great job of taking a step back after showing me what everything, like the list of everything I needed to do, everything to knock out hunter safety, license, getting a a bow, like all of those kind of things. And then he took a step back and said, okay, now you do it. And I loved that because I'm an independent person. I still need guidance. But I wanted to make it my own too, and so it was a really great way of him to know exactly who I was and what I needed, but also when to step back and let me just run with it.
0: Yeah, that kind of reinforces the idea of you know always being a student because you you had to be a student because I mean you were kind of given the foundation, but at that point it was it was up to you to to really get out and into to to learn everything that you needed to learn for
1: it. Yeah. Well, and he could only take me so far. We've talked numerous times about he can only take me as far as he's been as a man in the sport. And he said, but you are going to have to adapt to how this is going to work for you. And I will walk alongside you. I will, if we need to investigate things, let's do it. But there's, there comes a point where you take the information that I've given you and the information that you've, that you have learned, and then you've got to kind of adapt and make it your own because I'm not going to be able to pull out a big, huge buck by myself without trying to figure out how to do that. And it took three seasons to figure it out. And yay for Jet Sled. (laughs) I mean, I've sent them so many thank you, thank you, thank you um, for Jet Sled because they that gave me independence in the woods. And that is a feeling that um, for a 5'2 shorty out in the woods, that these deer way more than me, pulling it out was impossible by myself. And so for them to be able to make a product that I can take it out and now I can not only drag a deer out, but I can get it up on the back of my car and, and do everything myself.
0: That's awesome. And you just got to have a, have a sharp blade and you're, you're good to go, right?
1: I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Yeah. So it was, but it's trial and error. Yeah. (laughs) It's huge trial and error how I can reach, what I can see. And it does, it's, and every person does that. It's every individual hunter has to adapt these things to the way that they hunt or adapt themselves to the way hunting is in order to be, to have good results.
0: Definitely. I think, yeah, I think everybody has something that we have to change based on, on how we are hunting, where we're hunting, what we're hunting. There's always something that we have to adapt to like you said that just in order for us to be successful in order for us to be yeah. not just successful in putting the animal down but after the fact too like you were mentioning with the the whole getting the deer out you had to figure out a way to get that deer out and I'm sure it, it you probably I'm sure a couple of times you probably tried to drag it out and you're like well this isn't going to work and there's been times where <laughs> where I've had to drag a deer out and I'm like holy crap this is not going to work for me yeah uh like I'm two like years ago yeah exactly <laughs> call a friend trying to get this thing out of here and uh it's yeah it's just the it's just mess like two years ago my brother-in-law he had shot a deer I took him on his first hunt and uh we ended up getting a deer right before the sun went down and um when he shot it it kind of he was already on like an incline so when he shot it it really? rolled all the way down this hill and I mean it was about 150 yards and it felt like it was straight up and it was, took us uh, I mean, a good probably 45 minutes to get that thing up the hill. And it was times like that. I'm like, holy cow. If he wasn't there, yeah. like <laughs> that was going to be yeah. a heck of a haul. And so w- the way I adapted to that after that little instance there was uh, I started using the gutless method. I'm not sure if that's something you, you're familiar with, but basically you quarter out like a white whitetail deer like you would yeah. like an elk. So you just kind of yeah. kind of started taking in some uh, trash bags after that. And that's something this past season that uh, me and another buddy we did after I shot a dough at a farm here uh, where we live. But we did that and we were, you know, at, from the time that we found the dough, we were out of there in less than an hour with all that's the meat. Nice. So <laughs> it was yeah, it, those nice. adaptations are definitely, uh, definitely something that you got to consider.
1: Yeah. Where we hunt, ha- we have to clean everything up like nothing happened. Okay. Um, it's in a residential area and so they don't want to bring coyotes and things in. So it's pretty much field dress, bag up everything that you just emptied out and and clear out like truly nothing ever happened right there. Yeah,
0: that sounds like um, a pain.
1: It you know, I would say it's a pain, but I get to hunt. Right, there, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a gift to be able to hunt there and if that is what we can do to make sure that the owners there are comfortable and that everybody's happy then I will by golly do it right exactly <laughs> every That's time a good way of putting it every time yeah but yeah I going back to just adapting I wish that my uncle was the one that put me on to the jet sled and I wish he had told me about it way sooner <laughs> it's like oh that makes so much more sense but yeah just adapting to each each of the surroundings that you find yourself in, it's been a journey. Definitely.
0: I'm sure being a female also, I'm sure that you've, uh, you've experienced maybe some, some stereotypes. It could be from, you know, other female hunters. It could be from male hunters. I'm I'm sure you've experienced maybe not direct stereotypes, but you kind of get a sense of, of things. What's kind of your experience with that?
1: It's kind of hit and miss. Um, In the hunting community, the people that I have come into contact with, everybody has been so super supportive. And I have appreciated everybody listening to questions I've had, no matter how dumb they are. As a teacher, you know, there's no such thing as a stupid question. But sometimes it can feel that way when you're asking it as a newbie. And so I've never... In the hunting community, been treated that way. Um, outside of the hunting community, all of all of my girlfriends here, they are super supportive. They might not necessarily eat venison or ever want to go hunting or want to talk about it, but they're super supportive of what I do. I there was an article that came out in Fox News about the albino buck that I saw and. The comments, which, you know, we shouldn't really pay attention much to comments on things, but um, the comments were kind of hit or miss. In Tennessee, you can't shoot an albino. And so a lot of people were, it was either, well, why didn't you shoot it from hunters? I would have shot that. She missed her opportunity. Or from non-hunters, I can't believe you have told the world about this. Somebody's going to come poach it. Down to some women who outright called me some pretty horrible things. And it wasn't the men, it was the women. The other stereotype was the articles that were written. I mean, it went worldwide. It was all over um, different articles, different stories, things like that. But the other side of it was if the article's title was Hunter and then went on with the title, people wouldn't necessarily read the article to see that it was a woman. And so it was automatically assumed that it was a man and not that it offended me that they thought I was a man, but it just made me wonder, you know, in this age, sometimes it still does feel like a male dominated sport and it kind of still is, even though the numbers of women coming in are increasing, it still is. And so that stereotype of, well, if it was a hunter, it was a man is, was still there. It was still prevalent in the responses. So it's I've gotten a little bit of everything, but mostly support, especially from the hunting community.
0: How long ago was that article ran?
1: Um, that article ran a little bit after Thanksgiving last year.
0: That was through Fox News, you said.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Fox News. It started in Nashville. And we had to have I had to have a discussion with a couple of the news agencies because they didn't ask permission to run it and they didn't list me as being the photographer or anything like that. So we had to fix a couple things here locally. But then the Big Daddy Fox News called and did a whole interview on the whole thing and Reuters did and like there were a couple of other people that called and did interviews, but all of a sudden it was just everywhere. So if you Google Amy Henderson Hall, albino buck, you'll get like 10 or 15 Google pages of articles. So it was a little crazy there for a bit. I'm glad it kind of died down a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I'm sure that was a, especially, you know, that time of year, you're wanting to focus on hunting, not necessarily on on all that kind of stuff. Hunting
1: and family. Right. Yeah. It was fun. It was exciting. And, and since then it has been a good Foothole hole in doors to be able to open up conversations to women in hunting or into NASP being archery in schools and, and all sorts of other things. So it's been a great way to get on and talk to people like you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a crazy experience. And I'm sure like, like kind of like what you just said that there were things about it that were pretty neat. And there, there are definitely things that have come out of it that, uh, that have been positive, but I'm sure in the midst of it, it was, uh, especially whenever Fox news is calling what, in the interview, I'm sure. It I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's exciting. <laughs> I'm sure it's a little, little crazy going on mm-hmm. at, at that time of year.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Uh,
0: in Tennessee, you can't shoot albino, right?
1: No, you can shoot a pie okay, I was going to
0: ask you, yeah, what about a pie It's
1: totally legal to shoot a pie You just can't shoot albino. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, thinking about it and thinking about me and, being potentially in that scenario, you know, uh, it, cause it's extremely rare, but that's obviously something that I feel like a lot of people think about. I just don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like it'd be pretty difficult for me to even shoot an albino just because yeah. of the, the rarity in the sight. And it would be, I don't know. I feel like I would not necessarily freeze up, but I just wouldn't want to, to act on it. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just sitting here thinking about it. That's, that's kind of what my first reaction is, but That's an interesting situation. Mm
1: -hmm. It was, you know, when he came up, it it surprised me. I didn't know what I was looking at there at first, but when he came up, it was the question of, okay, first of all, I know it's illegal. We, I think hunter safety courses, we were talking about it in the Tennessee hunter safety course, but um, for some reason I knew it was illegal. But at the time, the longer he hung out with me, I think the more I noticed some of the things that I don't know, he couldn't see well, he couldn't hear well. I could make noise and it didn't startle him. He was right below me, so he couldn't smell me. He couldn't it was just one of those I don't know, it's like shooting somebody in the back. He had a lot of things going on that he was old enough that I was pretty proud that he had made it this long. <laughs> right.
0: Because other people wouldn't be and it, and wouldn't have those same kind of uh feelings towards him.
1: No. No, or just predator wise that he had made it that long. And so I don't know, I've got a little bit of Native American in my family history, and they believe that that animal is a spirit animal. And I don't know, I don't think um, I've said over and over again, I probably wouldn't have shot him if it had been legal. It was a great experience to sit through for about 30 minutes and, and just enjoy the fact that that might never happen again. And I'm pretty lucky to sit here and record it and be able to show it to my kids and say this was something that happened in my lifetime. It was pretty neat.
0: That is a pretty cool experience. It's, that's awesome. And like you said, it's something that you could definitely show your kids. And I'm sure you could use that as a way to introduce your kids. I mean, you mentioned getting archery into schools and that kind of thing, being involved in that kind yeah. of stuff. But how have you been able to take your experiences in the woods as mom and be able to apply that to your kids?
1: Um, We have actually, the kids have, we've always been outdoorsy. We've always been hiking, camping, that kind of thing. My husband's a wildlife biologist, so the kids are constantly learning, which has been fun. Um, At the same time, it has been, in the last four years, fun for my daughter to kind of see, oh, mom can do this too. Or my son watching and seeing women can do this too and respecting that. And it's been exciting for them to see it. It's been exciting this summer. My husband's been working out of state. It'll be four months by the time he gets back. So I'm in charge of all the management that's going on right now. And so they've been with me every step of the way. They've been learning you know, what minerals to put out, when we need to put them out, putting trail cameras out everything so it's it's been really fun to walk them through this process I don't know it's been I can see the difference my daughter is 11 almost 12 and my son is almost 10 to see who is going to be the most interested in in actually getting into the tree stand both of them will be getting into a tree stand this year but it'll be interesting to see who might actually shoot something I don't know
0: that's, that's going to be something fun. I'm sure that you guys are going to enjoy watching that and kind of seeing how they, how they react in the woods. And, you know, yeah. me, me with my son, he's, he's five. He's gone on a few hunts with me. He's gone turkey hunt with me a couple of times. He's gone deer hunt with me a couple of times, just sitting there in the blind. He's never been behind the gun or anything yet. Not quite yet, but he yeah. will be soon. But, uh, and just the, seeing it, the way that he absorbs everything around him, it's just so really, it's so cool to watch just watch him learn in the most raw form available. I mean, he's mm-hmm. out there, he's experiencing everything and he's, he's learning in that experience. So I'm sure that's something that you guys are I'm going to be looking forward to watching this season.
1: 100%, 100%. Yeah.
0: And I'm sure uh, with them, you know, helping out with everything, the, just the idea of them taking ownership of a piece of land is something that is refreshing. That's something I talked about with, uh, Jack Carr. He was on my last episode. He's a retired Navy SEAL and author turned now, but, um, uh, he was talking about the idea of his kids taking ownership of land and just watching them, I guess, become students of that land. And it's a, uh, it's a pretty cool experience as a parent to be able to be able to watch those kinds of things.
1: Oh yeah. Well, there's, there's also the respecting of somebody else's land, the fact that my kids know that we don't own this property, we are guests on this property. We're following what what Mr. Jeff would like for us to do, but also the the respect of nature itself. We this the buck that I got this past year. We brought the kids in so that they could see how you feel dress, and I didn't know how they were going to respond to it, and they were perfectly fine. It was almost like a science lesson. I used to work in surgery, so it's very –
0: Very similar in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. So it's showing, you know, here's the heart. Here's the lungs. Here's the liver, kidneys. Like you have a lot of these things in your own Mm -hmm. body. It's not just a mess in there. Everything has its place. Here's the stomach. Here's how their stomach is different from yours. So it was really a great education tool. And at the same time, kind of taking the – what could be gross in their minds and taking it down to almost a scientific level. And they did great with it.
0: Definitely. And that's something that I'm, I'm a middle school science teacher. So I, I deal with that same, <laughs> <get> very that. <laughs> similar age group. Um, You're <laughs> a little bit younger, but for the most part, they, they kind of react to those things in very, very similar ways. And I've actually taken yeah. in some, uh, some dried deer skulls that I've cleaned and that kind of thing, taking those in show them and stuff. And initially, especially, A lot of them, I say probably, I don't know, maybe not a lot, but maybe about half of them. They're a little weirded out at first because you're like, you're holding this thing, this skull, this Mm -hmm. piece of bone Mm -hmm. in your hand that once was living. And they, they kind of, you can kind of see them react to that. And But once you apply the science to it and once you say, like show Mm -hmm. them where everything is, where the nerves run, blood vessels, all that kind of stuff, it becomes a a learning experience for them. Kind of like what you mentioned. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and hey, how can you how can you age a deer? Here, let's look at the teeth on this skull. Right. Like It's been really neat to walk walk through it with them. They've They've shown more interest in it when, I don't know, I think that we can dumb things down for kids way too much, and I think that we don't give them enough credit. So actually talking to them at a level that might seem above what they can handle brings more interest into it. And so being honest with them about... You know, the life and death, the life cycles of animals and conservation and how can we help our our deer community, you know, keeping things the way that it needs to be. We've been very honest with our kids about all of that and not sugarcoating it, not treating it like something that needs to be treated with gloves on, but just being very honest about it. And I think that they've appreciated that. I think that they get maybe a little bit more, I don't know, it's not this hyped up thing, but it's not it's just something that's normal in our household. And I've kind of enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely great that you guys are doing that. That's something that We've done a little bit as well. My son, he's been there right beside me as I'm, as I'm getting a deer, as I'm cleaning it out and as I'm cutting yeah. it up and he'll uh, he'll come into the house after we're done and grab his little stuffed deer, his little plush deer that he has <laughs> and start doing the same thing with the, like a little toy screwdriver or something. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's it. pretty, Yeah. It's pretty neat to be able to see that, that kind of learning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So as a mom, as a mom kind of uh, walking them through it, I mean, we're doing it together, my husband and I, but this summer has been, has been a whole lot of fun walking alongside of them with it.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it's been a good experience for you to, to learn as well. I mean, cause you've kind of got to, yes. uh, you've got to learn it first and then in order to be able to, to show them and to be able to put it in ways that, that they are able to receive it.
1: What you're supposed to learn it, do it, teach it.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. That has been, that has definitely been my course <laughs> of learning.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Now you've also, uh, something I've been kind of keeping track of you on, on Instagram is your, your ability to do some gardening, which is pretty interesting. Yes. That's something that, uh, I've tried to do and I've failed miserably at it a couple of times. And so how, who got you into gardening? Is that something that you picked up on your own? Is that something that you got from a family member? Is it just something that's like, like you said, trial and error or
1: uh-huh. how'd you get into so that? in a I'm going to preface this, that my hashtag that I use on all of my gardening pictures is the adventures of a black thumb gardener. I kill everything. (laughs) Um, It is actually a joke in the house. If you want the plant to live, then my husband needs to take care of it. So this year kind of was the first year that I said, you know, I've tried little things here and there and they just die. And so this year I said, I'm going to do this. My grandfather had the most amazing garden all the way up his hill. We ate, we ate like kings and queens from okra to tomatoes, to strawberries, to corn, green beans. I mean, everything he would, he would put them in jars. We'd have them all year round. And I have always wanted to do something like that. So this year I put And above the ground here, here in south of Nashville, we're all on limestone. So we don't have a whole lot of depth like in my backyard. So I put an above ground garden in and just started plotting it out. What I wanted to put in the garden and start small, but start with some things that I know could probably do well. Tomatoes are pretty hardy. They love the sunshine. And so... I knew I wanted to start with tomatoes, um, some cucumbers. My daughter loves cucumbers and herbs. And so I thought, okay, let's just start small this year. And maybe I won't kill everything. <laughs> and it actually has been amazing. It has been. Everything's done. Not everything. We've I've, I killed the lavender. It did die. It did not make it. But I've heard lavender can be a little picky on what it needs but the tomatoes are looking great right now the cucumbers are out of this world and we just had our first experience in canning pickles and they turned out good not great but good for a first start I don't know so this is kind of I'm I'm a newbie to the gardening I have a heart for it I just want it to work so well and so far this year it's it's gone pretty good
0: yeah, that's gardening, and is, is something that I've I've tried a couple of times. We're able to get a little bit out of the out of the times that I've I've tried it, but yeah, I think I had some very similar experiences to some of yours early on, is that it just ended up dying or it got ate up by mm-hmm. bugs and worms and everything. They got ended yeah. up eating more of it than I did, and uh, <laughs> but the, just the whole idea of being able to, you know grow something and be a part of something and, you know, have Mm -hmm. it grow from the ground that you're caring for. It's just, it's just something really neat about that whole, the whole process.
1: Yeah. I would compare it to hunting. Like there's a whole lot of pride in it. There's a whole lot of confidence in knowing where it's coming from. Um, I did a whole lot of research on which plants do better next to other plants. Um, Some plants really don't like to be, Next to certain plants and so learning that beforehand and kind of plotting it out and not just putting it in the ground willy-nilly I know that a lot of a lot of things don't like marigolds So I put marigolds all in my garden trying to keep things away I know that ladybugs love to eat things that attack your your vegetables like aphids and so when my ladybugs showed up and I didn't buy them. I was thinking about buying some, but when they showed up, I went, yay, they're here. So I did a lot of research on trying to figure out, you know, dill likes to be beside cucumbers, but cucumbers don't necessarily like to be next to tomatoes. You put your peppers next to your tomatoes and lemon balm is really great because it will um, detract some kinds of bugs. And so it's it was really neat kind of investigating. I love learning about things. And so I loved learning about some of the do's and don'ts in gardening.
0: That's really interesting. Is it just a matter of, I guess, the biochemistry that's going on with the, Mm
1: -hmm. with the
0: plants that's, that's involved. That's, that's really, I would have never have considered something like that, that, you know, they, they want to grow next to certain things or they don't want to grow next to other things. That's, that's really neat.
1: Yeah, the, and the smells and the colors and the, the way that it detracts things. Um, I did end up putting a chicken wire around just to keep neighborhood cats out. But cats evidently don't like marigolds either, so they tend to stay away from those kind of things. The only problem that I ended up having, we've got some blackberries, some thornless blackberry bushes. And keeping the birds out of my blackberries has yeah. been a little bit difficult. Next year I'll have a better plan for that. So it's been fun. The kids have really enjoyed it.
0: That's awesome. That's uh, that's something that my uh, people that I know of who've tried to do blackberries that they've mm-hmm. tried to uh, or they'll, they'll when they start to grow they'll have to get them real fast because if you leave them out there for any amount of time those birds are going to come in and, and sweep them up. They'll be gone before you even get a chance. Right
1: heal them before you can have them for breakfast. It is crazy. Yeah.
0: That's really neat though. So what kind of things are you Mm -hmm. doing right now to kind of get prepared for hunting season? I know you, uh, just talking to you in a little bit of the digital campfire, you're dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury. Is that right?
1: Yes, I am. I am. I've, I back in, it was late April, I was upping the poundage on my bow and shooting, and I've got very loose joints. We're in the middle of trying to figure out why. There could be a reason why. There might not be, but I've got very loose joints. And so when I get mid-draw, my shoulder will pop out of socket. And so then by the time I get to full draw, I, ha- I kind of shove it back into socket and everything's Okay. When I upped the poundage the last time, upped it to about forty five, and I was excited about it and it was doing great and everything was okay. And then I drew back one time and my shoulder popped out, but it popped out a little further than it normally does. And when it popped back in, it pinched a couple of nerves and it ended up I had a few micro tears in some tendons and muscles and it shot all of my progress to pot. It was, I was so frustrated. Um, I couldn't pull back on anything. I couldn't raise it over my shoulder. It was just a they called it a partial dislocation. And they said it's gonna be a while. <laughs> You're gonna have to be patient. And my chiropractor did a great job. We used dry needling yeah. and and all of that. Like they did a great job and I've just been cleared in the past couple of weeks to get started back at a very low Poundage. I'm working with with a guy out. Is it Utah?
0: Is it Dr. Preston? We talked about him a little bit last night. Yeah, I connected with him last night. Actually, afterwards after after our talk,
1: amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. He has been great, just kind of helping me get a plan together, but to also work on, you know, what can I be doing in the meantime to strengthen the muscles around that shoulder. Um, because he's in physical therapy, he is an art, he does do archery, um, and bow hunting and that kind of thing. So he knows exactly what my goals are and he knows what, what my point, like, I would love to be bow hunting with a compound bow this fall. That's not going to happen. And that's okay. He's reminding me, you know, this, what's more important is that we get you bow hunting next year. Like let's focus, (laughs) let's focus on long-term, let's focus on, you know, what are some of the exercises that I can be doing using small weights, using my own body, slowly getting back into push-ups and things like that because I've got to strengthen the muscles around my shoulder to support those tendons and keep that shoulder locked in place so that it's not popping in and out and possibly hurting it in the next Season, so he's with um, Mountain Physio, and it's just he's been great to be able to work with. Even though he's Clear Cross on the other side of the country, he can diagnose me quickly and get me get me working toward a goal. Other than that, it's it's been minerals and trail cameras, and we've had to clear some trees this year because of we had some tornadoes come through and just typical maintenance of property.
0: Yeah, those shoulders they can be uh, they can be tricky they have such a wide range of motion that they yes. it kind of leaves them vulnerable and leaves them exposed to all kinds of different things I was actually in before I got into teaching I was in uh, sports medicine for about four years yeah. and uh, I, a lot of shoulders I saw a lot shoulders of shoulders with the best yeah shoulders and <laughs> knees especially yeah. but yeah both of them take a ton of time to re- to recover too depending on mm-hmm. what actually is going on with them just because there's so many different uh, stabilizers going on with each of those mm-hmm. those joints and um yeah shoulders they're they're tricky i still have I, I played a little bit of college football and played a lot of football growing up and uh still to this day i still have some shoulder issues and on my right side and whenever i first got into bow hunting a little bit my, my buddy uh his name's name's max he, he lives here and but whenever he first introduced me to archery i was a little nervous because i had those shoulder issues and i knew Mm -hmm. i had those shoulder issues and i was like i feel like it's going to pop out and that kind of thing and it took quite a bit of not just mental awareness and mental preparation Mm -hmm. but also quite a bit of physical preparation just because like i knew that it wasn't where i wanted to be as far as my shoulder strength goes and it just took a matter of just getting out there and just just practicing which my my situation's a little bit different than yours because mine's uh just, uh, I think mine's not necessarily an, an acute type of injury where I had those, the, uh, like tears like you did. I think mine was just mm-hmm. like a general instability, but yeah, there was a yeah. lot of it that, uh, that especially with, with the bow hunting that it kind of makes you a little nervous pulling back on a, on a bow.
1: Yeah, it's, it, I love that he is, that he specializes in the same thing that I'm like, he knows the exact exercises that I can be doing to strengthen those parts of my shoulder that need help the most. And I wouldn't normally know that. I'd be like, okay, I need to do, you know, push-ups. I need to do, use my weights and be lifting and all of that. And he's like, okay, slow, 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 slow. It's twofold. You do need to be pulling back on your bow. We need to lower the poundage and you need to up it slowly, not over a couple of weeks, but over a couple of months. And you need to be stabilizing that shoulder. And so it's twofold. It's practice, 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 muscle memory, and strengthen. So, I mean, it's it's whether you have an injury or not, you need to be protecting that shoulder.
0: Right. It, it takes time. It takes takes practice. Right? Well, yeah, like you said, even if you don't have a shoulder injury, you don't want to end up with one because you're you're trying you're trying to do something that your body doesn't necessarily want you to do or isn't yep. quite prepared to do. So it, it, yeah, it definitely takes practice, it definitely takes time and definitely takes a, a certain matter of discipline to to pursue to any form of archery and any form of shooting that kind of thing.
1: You know, we coaching kids in NASP. I I coach 4th and 5th graders. And it has been, you know, it starts in the schools at 4th grade. So mainly what we are doing is building that foundation um, with fourth and fifth graders it's it's rules it's it's safety it's all of your baseline everything it's going over those steps of from the moment you have the bow in your hand to releasing it and there are 11 steps and so I am constantly reminding myself, you know, follow these 11 steps because a lot of it has to do with stabilizing your back and your shoulder. And they don't know that. They just know that that's part of the 11 steps. But to me, as I'm looking through it, I'm seeing that those steps are in place, A, for safety, but also for their well-being, for their physical well-being. If you do it correctly, if you follow those steps, then you should be able to save that shoulder. So I'm having to remind myself the same thing <laughs> right.
0: the idea is to uh get into it for the purpose of longevity not not yes.
1: necessarily
0: right right you know not necessarily uh right then and right there but the mm-hmm. longevity the duration of the of the accomplishment exactly right. right
1: uh <laughs> yeah don't rush it, don't that's, rush right, it. that's right that's right you want to rush it i want it to be fine right now
0: so going back a little bit to your gardening do you have any um, any new dishes like wild game dishes that you're wanting to try like a little to combine some of your gardening products I guess would be the word to use with you know the meat that you're planning on acquiring this fall you got to have anything you know, new
1: we I I stick with our same like I, I stick with the same things that we get from you know our tenderloins our back straps our like all of that steaks and ground but having some of the herbs that we've got right now growing between the rosemary, purple basil, green basil, it kind of opens up to a lot more italian dishes with some of those basils. The rosemary, man, rosemary grilled with anything is amazing. Oh, yeah. And so it'll be I'm looking forward to this fall. We've got meat right now so I'm able to I'm able to use that meat as as we've got fresh herbs. We had venison the other night and I like to wrap bacon around kind of making a kebab out of the tenderloins and then putting it on skewers. And so wrapping it up and putting the that rosemary in between each, like the bacon and the and the venison and then grilling it. It's
0: Oh yeah. That sounds pretty
1: tasty. It's pretty tasty. But for the most part, I love. I've got a marinade that I love to use on my venison. It is very simple. It's pretty much white vinegar, honey, garlic. I use liquid aminos instead of soy sauce, but um, brown sugar, of course, because brown sugar makes everything better. And that's pretty much it. And it's kind of just. It's. I measured it out one time, and I've got it listed. But pretty much what I do is just. Throwing it together per taste and trying to get it right. But it, it makes for a sweet kind of salty, like the perfect mixture of sweet and salty. Um, it's my go-to recipe for introducing people to venison. Most people love bacon. Most people love soy sauce and most people love brown sugar. So it's a good way to introduce um, non-hunters and people who've never tasted wild game before into it. I haven't had much luck with roast. I'd like to attempt it again the past couple times that I've attempted it. It has dried out just because venison's so lean. I have a great uh, meatloaf recipe that my kids can pretty much eat the whole loaf in one evening and um, so we've I don't know. we've been we've been pretty creative with everything, but then we have some of the stables we'll do with our ground. we'll do lasagna and use uh, zucchini that we've grown as the noodles instead just to kind of create a more healthier option. We're dairy free in our home for my son. And so we use some of the, it's funny, I buy a lot of vegan stuff for not being a vegan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) got to balance it out.
1: (laughs) I got to balance it out. Um, And so it's, it's, we do kind of the normal stuff. We'll still do lasagna spaghetti taco night is a favorite here. Um, But my favorite is still, getting those steaks and tenderloins on the grill, on the Traeger, on whatever we've got and, and cooking them and enjoying them. It's always a good night when venison's being cooked.
0: That's right. It's hard to, hard to beat a good, good piece of venison. No matter what it is, it could be backstrap and it could be steak. It could be Mm -hmm. just about anything. Whenever you have that deer on the grill, there's just a certain, there's a certain feeling that you get compared to, you know, buying a steak at the store. I mean, it's just, oh, yeah. because it's like you were part of that process and you were the reason that it's now there and being able to feed your family. It's, it's a, it's a awesome experience and awesome feeling to be able to be able to share that, especially with, with friends and family.
1: Yes. And the convenience of it Yeah. during the rest of the year, just having it whenever we need it. It's in the freezer.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And it's not, it's not the chilly kind of year. It really is the grilling kind of year right now, but we can't pass up a good venison chili or a, or a venison stew. Like it's a good, I don't know. St. Patrick's day comes around and you had a good beer in that stew and it's delicious.
0: Well, as we are kind of, kind of winding down here, there's always one question that I like to ask at the end of the show. Yeah. And, um, so I'm gonna go ahead and uh, go ahead and give it to you. And I've had some pretty good answers <laughs> here, so I don't want to put any pressure on you or anything, but,
1: <laughs> oh, no. but,
0: uh, okay. <laughs> so, what does hunting mean to you?
1: Mm, I don't. Okay. Hunting. What hunting means to me. I, I think it's twofold. I think that there's a sense of pride. I'm the first woman in my family to hunt. Like in generations back, I'm the first woman in our family to hunt. And that is pretty awesome. So there's a lot of pride in that. It's kind of a. A coming into my own sort of thing. But there's also the independence and the knowing that, that I can do it. Not that I've ever been told I can't do it, but in my mind, like it's confidence in myself that I can do it. I think that's the first part of it. The second part of it is the excitement that I have to share it with my kids, to pass it on. my son and my daughter I know my husband and both feel that so I think a lot of it has to come with not identity of who I am but identity in something that I'm a part of and then passing it on to the next generation it really kind of encompasses all of that the community that we're a part of right now is also pretty a pretty great thing I've enjoyed all of the people that I've met Um, along the way it's been pretty cool
0: yeah the hunting community in itself is just it's very unique and just the yeah just the acceptance of just the general acceptance of the new members I'm like like, there's not there's not many activities there's not many hobbies that where people who have been in it for years are so excited to have somebody new join and that's something that's definitely I feel like is unique to to hunting and unique to hunters in the in the hunting community
1: yeah. I mean, the pride that I will have, whether my kids pull a trigger or release the bow, like what whatever comes from it, just having my kids in a stand and watching them process through everything that I was just at four years ago. And there's excitement in that. And I would feel that way for anybody else that I was walking alongside of. And like you said, you, there's there there may be a few communities out there that are like that, but it's hard it's hard to find them. Yeah,
0: definitely. I thank you so much for, for taking to, taking some time tonight to talk with me and being on the show. I, I really do appreciate it. Where can listeners where can they follow you? Where can they check you out?
1: Um I'm on Instagram, Amy Hall Hunter. You can find me there. And um or you can you can Google Amy Henderson Hall albino buck, and you will find a whole lot there made too. Made you famous.
0: <laughs> um,
1: made me famous. Made me famous. But no, come follow me on Instagram. And I'm always an open door on Instagram. I might not have all of the answers, but I can help you find the answers to any question um, or get you in contact with somebody that might have the answers to your questions. So I am learning right alongside as everybody else. And that's an open door right there.
0: There we go. Again, thank you so much for, for being on tonight. I, I really do appreciate it. I think, uh, I think we had a real good conversation here. I mean, you were the, you're the first woman I've ever had on the podcast. So it's uh, definitely a, a unique experience. <laughs> so I think it you provided some good perspective on, on a different, different side of things.
1: Thanks. I honestly, I think that when you have conversations with, with women, especially women who are hunters, I think that I think that some of those stereotypes kind of bounce back down a little bit the more we talk and it becomes more of a okay we have a whole lot more in common than different. Absolutely. And yeah. and it, it kind of levels that out and I love that.
0: It definitely does. I can definitely agree with that yeah well Well, again thank you so much and uh you're welcome i will see you actually i guess in a few few days with our next next call so (laughs) so
1: i love it i love wednesday that's right wednesday
0: nights are always (laughs) always fun they really are all righty well thank you so much